Gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, so sit back and get ready for the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Folks, we are going shortly to Andrew Flint for a round-up of a wild weekend, a truly wild weekend of Russian Premier League. A story of um, Artyom Duba, well, well, we'll discuss it in a moment, and a look ahead to Russia in international competition. Of course, they play next Sunday, this day week, against Turkey, a vital, vital game for them down in, I believe it is, in Istanbul. In part two, we have Handy Andy Mack. He is back and he's going to talk about the EPL, all going well. And a very special guest, Karen Tewani. Tewani, he, of course, is the author of Winds of Change, a book about the Red Bull football revolution. At the top of the third, we have our legal, legal, Isil Cody. She has the top three women's sports stories. And then she'll be joined by the... Andy's to uh, talk about well basically football in general and what's been happening in the world of sport in the fourth it won't be a foursome it'll be a threesome this week because we have a very special discussion on mental health fitness and sport we have Eastold Andrew Flint and a very special guest Justin McDermott from Ireland joining us for that one so for everybody especially moms dads teachers and coaches this is important. Trust me. It, you know, let, let's get a hold of this together. Uh, and then in the fifth, Justin will stay with us and speak about Jigsaw. That's the name of the charity, the Jigsaw work in raising awareness of mental health and well-being for young people between the age of 15 and 24. That really, you know, let's just say dangerous age when maybe sometimes at that age we're going through hormonal changes. We're kind of thinking, well, you know, there's nothing worth living for and so on and so forth. That's the time we need to kick our backsides and say, no, there isn't to live for because life is worth living. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have a discussion with that in the fifth. Before finally in the final section, a favourite for, I think, most of our listeners because it's just like car crash radio. The big fat filthy quiz. We have our usual raft of, well, a basket of deplorables joining us. Now, listen, in the Russian Premier League, it has been really, truly a crazy weekend. Spartak were spanked 2 2 by Ural out in Yekaterinburg. Uh, good old Ural Nitsi, they did very, very well. Himki 
beat a resurgent Rubine 2-0 out in Himki. That's a strange one. Uh, no fans in the stadium, of course, because in Moscow Oblast they have banned fans from attending events. Uh, Siska, they got the better of Rostov beating them 2-0. Dinamo and Lokomotiv. Oh, God, it just finished now a moment ago. Um, it was 2-0, then it was 2-1 at halftime. We'll ask Andrew how it ended up. And Zenit and Krasnodar, that also just finished just a few moments ago. It was 1-0 to Krasnodar. But Zenit won 3 1. So we're going straight out to Tumen, to our man in Siberia. Andrew, um, I hope you haven't been uh, Skype calling Artyom by any chance. Uh, no chance I'd, uh, I'd run risk of that. I've been just absolutely gripped by other visual entertainment. Um, <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned that Moscow derby. My word, this has been an eventful day. It did finish eventually. Um, six goals three red cards and Dynamo turning out 5-1 winners against Champions League side Lokomotiv. I mean, it's going to take a while to pick through all of that, but wow, that was just one game today. Well, listen, let's let's start with that, OK? Because Artyom, of course, he's been defended by a lot of people. Of course, he's the, the captain of the national team. Um, you know, kind of has been sort of a little bit... You know, uh, you know, kind of a difficult uh, situation for him and for Russia, of course, as well. But let's focus first on that Moscow derby because, of course, it has been absolutely. It was a crazy day. I mean, I did think that uh, local would come back into that game, but they, Dinamo shut the door and shut it hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they were missing Ivan Odets through suspension for the game. Um, which, you know, he, he's been a regular for them in defence. Roman Yevgenyev was, was handed the, the armband. He's a young youth academy product. Um, he scored after, after three minutes. Um, and they went 2 0 up. Dreadful defending from Lokomotiv left Clinton and Gene wide, wide open. He made it 2 0. Um, and, uh, Avenze Luis scored on the stroke of half time. Um, when Lokomotiv were already down to 10 men at that stage, Slobodan Rajkovic was sent off. And they did, you're right, they looked like they were going to come back into it. Um, they were showing a decent bit of fighting spirit, but my God, they were, they were ragged. They were all over the place. Um, and they actually, at that point, though, they did have more shots on goal and shots overall than Dynamo uh, at halftime. Uh, but then I'm afraid they, they fell to pieces. And um, two goals in the last five minutes made it 5-1. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a couple of the Moscow Shamrocks uh, were out there today and they might be listening to us on the way home because, um, shout out to, I think it's Darlin, uh, Carl and Danny were there. I should Darl and Canny, but anyway, uh, there we go. Um, it, it, it was it was a tough one for local because now, I mean, going into this international break, uh, they're, I mean, they're, they're sitting at a, a really not a great position in eighth place, 21 points. Again, they're not too far out of the, the hunt for a, a European spot, especially with the teams above them not uh, performing that well as well. Uh, they're in eight places, I mentioned. They're on 21 points. Uh, Tsitska top of the table after that win today on 31 points. Zenit cruising into second place. Uh, they have 30 points. Spartak dropping down. They are on 28 pay- points in third. Dinamo above themselves now in fourth position on 26 points. Um, okay, we, we, we mentioned that, you know, local weren't good and so on and so forth, but Dinamo were, were very, very good. Should we be looking at them maybe to cause a few more shocks, Andrew? Well, to be honest, I, I didn't see I didn't see them dominating in the way that they did, and I don't even think you can you can say the two red cards for Lokomotiv. I, I didn't even have time to fit in the fact that Guillermo was sent off um, halfway through the second half. Even for that, Dinamo were far far more um, 
well, tightly knit up front. They they did very well. They had um, we had a youth team product up front. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a tough game for them, but they looked very well organised. Sandro Schwartz has, has come in um, first few games. He's shown faith in the youth, and it, and it's paying off so far. But Dynamo could they pull off more shots? But on the basis of today, absolutely. Um, they look far more capable, and of course, no European football to distract them and exhaust them. Now, just as you mentioned that, of course, we have they have Spartak next up in a couple of weeks on the 21st. Um, I mean, Spart- Spartak didn't look good for long periods of that game out in Yekaterinburg. I was, you know, I, I caught parts of it mm-hmm. uh, yesterday and they were, they were disappointing. Um, but still, they all always seem to be holding back a little bit. But I mean, that, that's a wasted chance against Ural, who, as you said rightly last week, they're not actually in great form this season. Uh, no, they're not. They're struggling to score goals, um, almost embarrassingly so. I, th- I believe they're still only the third, uh, third high, uh, third lowest goal scorer, sorry, in the league. Um, Spartak tried something unusual. Um, they've played uh, Alexander Sobolev, Ezekiel Ponce, and Jordan Larson all in the starting lineup. It's only the third time that Tedesco's done that this season. Um, usually, he's gone for Jordan Larson and, and Ponce, who have been absolutely electric. Sobolev, he earned his right side. Um, he scored twice. But the uh, the goals that Ural scored were quite disappointing, really, to concede. Um, Pavel Pogrebniak, who turned 37 today, um, he, his, his header was a very good one, but he was left. Alexander Kral was supposed to be marking him, and he, he just went walkabouts, really. And after the game, Tedesco said, we know that Ural, you, you're in a battle. He said, he said I said to the guys, you're going to you're gonna have to fight for this. And they did, but they didn't fight enough. Um, and it's a very, very disappointing drop. Two points there for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if they'd won after seeing all that was going on around them, they would have been, you know, up, you know, they'd, they'd have been level still with Zenit and uh, within a point of uh, Siska. Okay, Siska, of course, mm. winning today, a good win against Rostov. Rostov are nobody's mugs. Um, that's, I mean, I, I really yeah. don't get Siska because, I mean, if you look at them, they've lost three games this season <laughs> in the in the league, um, not doing particularly badly or well in Europe. I mean, they looked good today. Yeah, I mean, they, they the game would have looked very, very different um, if Igor Akinfeyev hadn't saved Yedemienko's penalty after an hour. Um, that would have made it 1-1 at that point. Um, they, they somehow, they're working out how to get results when in the last 12 months, so they haven't when they've been under pressure. Last season, they looked very, uh, very fragile, to be honest, but they are using the squad well. Um, and uh, Fyodor Chalov has struggled for goals again this season. Uh, he had a slightly fortunate run of the ball, but he finished it well for his second goal. Um, but like you say, Rostov no mugs. Their result against uh, Spartak last uh, match day was very impressive. And they could have got a result this one had they scored that penalty. But they did the job. Um, and that's all that matters. Okay, our, uh, our, our other club, of course, in the, the, in the Premier League, of course, Ahimki, a good win against a team who, you know, had they won that game, they would have been up in fifth place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rubin have been um, surprisingly expansive this season. They, they've conceded and scored a lot, and usually they don't score or concede many. They're usually quite dull, but they've been scoring for fun. But they did miss Georgia Despotovic, which um, it really exposed them. Uh, Ivan Ignatiev up front was anonymous, basically, um, and Rezion Mirzov um, on loan 
from Spartak. He scored his third goal in four games. A very good finish again. He's he's starting to enjoy his football. Great, great three points for Himki that because that gives them five points breathing space to the automatic relegation zone. So, um, and and against Rubin, like you say, a decent side this season. Um, so very, very good three points for Himki. Yeah, especially when you saw like you know, Tambov put it up uh, to Ahmad. Of course, they won one 0 in Saransk, but they, Tambov did put it up to them. But now, at least, as you said, gives them a bit of breathing space. Um, looking quickly back at uh, the week in European football, um, let's just have a look at Siska. Siska, of course, they went down three one away to Feyenoord. Um, you know, they're they're in a difficult group. We weren't expecting Siska to do very, very well, but it was still disappointing to go down. You know, kind of, I I, I felt relatively easily. Yeah, um, they've been disappointing. The la- last year's Europa League campaign was just abysmal. Um, and, you know, the, I, I don't really know what to make of Tisca away from home. Final the way you'd have taken a point um, before, before the season. But, yeah, it's, it's very disappointing, um, not just for Tisca, but also for, for Russian clubs. They're slipping desperately down the UEFA club coefficient point rankings, which... Is already has already cost them a European place for the current three-year cycle. And if they go at this rate, um, Tisca will struggle to get out of that group. That will cost them more points, uh, especially with um, with Turkish clubs doing better uh, this season. So it was disappointing, but I don't know what we can expect from Tisca this campaign. Yeah. Um, they should, you know, brief moments of promise, of that's all. Yeah, I mean, like, look, Loco had a very, very impressive showing against Real Madrid. Drew 1-1 at home, come back from one down to equalise. Unusual for them in a way because, they, you know, they and, and they held on as well. Um, because if you look at, say, you know, Bayern Munich won 6-2 away, well, just over the border in Austria against Red Bull Salzburg. So, you know, Loco are, are third in the group um, and they... They have a chance to go into to spring action in the UEFA uh, Europa League. Um, Krasnodar, of course, you know, going down, uh, but again against Sevilla, three two away is not that bad of a loss. Their first timers in the Champions League. Zenit drawing one one at home with Lazio, mm. a good result as well. Could have done a bit better, but okay, a point is a point is a point. Um, overall, bef- before we move on quickly, um, you know, only. You know, six draws, uh, six losses from 12 matches for the Russian clubs in Europe. It's not good enough, is it? No, it's, it's, it's appalling. It's absolutely dreadful. And it's the it's the worst, I believe, I'm right in saying it's the worst performance in terms of points collected for Russian clubs in Europe on average per team after three match days um, in the last 10, 15 years or something. It's, it's not good enough at all. I mean, you can forgive losing to the European champions um, uh, against Bayern Munich seems like of this calibre but you just simply can't forgive dropping points at home to the likes of Club Bruges and even Lazio I mean Zanit um, you know have got to be winning those sort of games otherwise they don't deserve to be in the Champions League it's, it's, it's appalling it's yeah. not good Yeah I, I agree and I mean, it's very very disappointing this year especially when you look at the budgets there's no excuse when you're paying, you know, when the, 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 okay, regardless of quality players, the amount of money being put into the Russian sides is huge compared to most of the teams that they're up against. So, uh, okay, let's move forward quickly. And I want you to wrap your hands around this one. Uh, Artem Juba, what did he do wrong this week? <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, he was a, <laughs> he was the subject of um, some audiovisual entertainment that was leaked on social media and uh, very, very quickly Stansov Chichesov announced he would be dropped from the international squad. And you've got to remember Zuba is the captain, he's the talisman. Um, well, he was um, 
well, sh- should we say it was the sort of entertainment we'd usually expect in a certain uh, Scottish-themed dungeon in the capital rather than for a man in the public eye. Um, well, what was he doing, Andrew? So, I mean, what, like, what happened? I mean, because, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's breaking news well, here in Moscow 24 <laughs> and in Capital FM. So what, what was he caught doing? Well, he, he, was, he was caught on video um, uh, without any clothes on, lying on his bed with the TV on and um, his facial expression and his hand movements lower down his body, shall we say, was um, he was enjoying himself. Um, and <laughs> look, what happens behind closed doors happens behind closed doors. The difference is when you film it, um, you really do open yourself up to uh, these sort of situations. It shouldn't have been posted online, obviously, but it shouldn't have been filmed in the first place. Um, at least not if you're in the public, public domain like this. So, yes, he, like I say, uh, he he played today and he scored. Um, he also missed the penalty. He strokes that penalty towards Matt Bay Safranoff far too weakly, um, but his stroking elsewhere was much more impressive, should we say. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to leave it and go to the break. We're going to speak about Russia, of course, and their game against Turkey in uh, the third segment after we have a chat with Isolt. We're going to go out to the break right now. So uh, wash those images from your mind. This is Taylor Swift and Shake It Off back in, the, in part two with Andy Mack and Karan. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
baby, we can shake, shake, shake. Yeah. Капитал ФМ. Пять лет. В честь праздника мы запускаем акцию «Дай пять». Give me five. Хочешь получить беспроводные наушники, планшет, умные часы или даже крутой смартфон? Нет, уже «Твелф». Все просто. Подпишись на инстаграм Capital FM. Под постом о розыгрыше отметь пятерых друзей. Лови кодовые слова в эфире. И каждую пятницу получи шанс выиграть один из главных призов. Не получилось? Не расстраивайся. Есть еще много поощрительных призов. Дай пять. Give me five. Уже завтра. Подробности на capitalfm.moscow. Предложение не является публичной офертой. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm still Alan Moore, at least for the next uh, hour and a half anyway. Uh, we're going to go to our next guests, of course. We've got Andrew McLean and Andrew Flint, Andy Mack and Andrew Flint. They will be rejoining us, or, well, Andrew Flint will be. And we'll also have a very special guest who's going to talk about Red Bull football. Before we do, of course, uh, I got a couple of messages in over the break. Plus 795 111053. That's our WhatsApp and our... Uh, I was going to say our Tinder number as well. That's also uh, our, um, what's the other one that we have? Oh, yeah, sorry, I was just told. Viber number. Yeah, so it's our Viber number as well. And our regular SMS number. So you can message in. So one of the messages was, what exactly was our Chum Duba doing? Okay, well, look, I would, I would suggest go online and have a look. Okay, simple as that. Just go online and have a look. You probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, you won't see the video. But basically, he was relaxing himself um, in the hotel room before a game. All right, just that. Something that, Whatever happens, and uh, we'll leave it there right now. Of course, English Premier League in full flight, the top flight. Um, a huge result yesterday. Um, Everton going down 3-1 to Manchester United. Apparently, or supposedly, from all the inside sources, the usual stuff, uh, journalists um, doing what our chum was doing, uh, but this time with their mouths, saying that Oli was gone. Oli Gullis-Sanchar was going to be fired um, if regardless of the result on Saturday, he's not. He's still in position. Okay, so uh, they won three one. Crystal Palace they downed Leeds four one. Chelsea terrific winners over a kind of faltering Sheffield United. They won four one, and West Ham of course won one nil as well against Fulham today. Great result for Spurs one nil against the Baggies. West Bromwich Albion they beat them one nil. Leicester City. 1-0 over Wolves. Remember, earlier on in the weekend, Southampton went top of the table. And right now, in injury time, it is 1-1. Manchester City have 
returned to a bit of form and they have pulled a goal back against Liverpool. So Man City and Liverpool 1-1. Uh, I mentioned on Friday, of course, Southampton, they won 2-0 against Newcastle United. OK, so we're going to bring straight away in, uh, hopefully, Andy Mack and Andrew Flint are there waiting for us. Um, Andy Mack, are you there or is it just Andrew Flint? No, I'm here, if you can hear me. I can hear you loud and clear. Listen, um, quick one to you, Andrew, or Andy, I should say. Andy, um, Liverpool now, it looks like time is running out there. Supposedly three minutes uh, added on in that match right now. Um, four minutes now added on. Uh, if Liverpool don't win that, that's, that's going to be a bit of a wobble going into the international break, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually just gone full-time, just as you were saying that. Um Away from home to Man City, I think that's probably not a, a, a horrendous result for them. Um, but having taken the lead, the, the thing that surprised me most second half is I felt the, the, the passion kind of went out of the game. It was quite high in, high intensity first half and it, it very much faded away as Man City started to get a little bit on top. Um, so a small wobble, but international break and I'm sure they'll come back, as you would like to say, fitter than uh, any, any fiddle that you'll come across. <laughs> okay, um, Spurs, of course, and Leicester—they are the trendsetters, pace setters in the table. Leicester top on eighteen, Spurs second on seventeen. Of course, Liverpool on seventeen as well. Southampton, of course, were briefly overnight they were top of the table and then they're back into fourth position on sixteen points. Um, a lot of people are are looking at Leicester as potential dark horses that were returning to the dark days of Ranieri. Dark horses. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think over the course of the season they will be title contenders. But without Europe this year, I guess they can focus on it. There's no travel. They might actually be able to create a, a, a proper bubble for themselves. Sorry, they are in Europe. Uh, but um, they, they seem to be using the sort of reserve side and rotating through it carefully at the moment. Um, I can't see them doing it over a season as I think they're very much reliant on, on a few individuals at the moment. But you never know, as we've seen before. And Spurs, of course, um, you know, starting to fight back. Harry Kane playing kind of a playmaker role uh, at the moment as well. I mean, he's doing well, you know, knocking the, the, the goals in and also setting them up. Um, do you think maybe Spurs, are they going to flatter to deceive yet again or might, might they be serious this time? I think one of the things we are seeing this season with, with the lack of fans, especially in the Premier League, is that teams that are drilled tactically, the likes of Leicester, Tottenham Mourinho, certainly if you've seen his documentary, going over this psychology of winning and also the repetitions and the ways that, that, that players fall back very quickly into formations and systems. Teams that are well drilled in those sort of things that aren't being influenced by any atmosphere, I think will do well this season. Uh, and I think Spurs and Leicester with uh, Brendan Rodgers and Mourinho very much fall under that category in terms of being high-class tacticians. So, both of them have a shout. Certainly Harry Kane and Son look very, very good at the moment. Um, yeah, um, if, if Spurs can keep 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 on scoring, they're, they're actually starting to sort out their defensive woes as well. So you never know. Both of them might have a, a very big shout as there's, you know, it's not just England. We're seeing it in Spain and Italy and, and other leagues at the moment where the, the teams that we're expecting to dominate are starting to falter. 
Okay, I mean, let's, let's look very, very quickly. We rarely do this, really, especially this part of the season, but there are not just like eight, like seven, eight, six games gone for Aston Villa. Uh, Villa, of course, playing, uh, kicking off in uh, just, under, just under an hour against Arsenal, um, at Arsenal. At the bottom of the table, you've got three, the three bottom teams, 18th, 19th, and 20th, West Brom, Burnley, and Sheffield, all without a win, and Sheffield United with just one point. In what universe... Did we expect to see Sheffield United with just a single point after eight games, Andy? Well, I wasn't particularly... If, if I was a Sheffield United fan, I, I don't think I'd have been particularly impressed with the, the players that they brought in. Um, yes, they had a brilliant season last year, but sometimes that makes it even more difficult when teams know how they're going to set up and they can you know, sort of go back onto the training pitch and, and, and work out how they're going to break them down. And I think they're definitely having second-season second season blues in, in that sense. Um, I think West Brom, etc. Uh, is going to be a big one there. They've got Manchester United when we come back from the from the break and it could be do or die for um, your friend Slavan Bilic and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, listen, that's, I'm going to bring Andrew Flint in before we bring in our special guest. Uh, Andrew, your guys won today, or sorry, they won yesterday, uh, excuse me, uh, a, a very, very good result, 3-1 in Goodson Park against Everton. Um, mm. And of course, they were actually, Everton were praising Marcus Rashford. Should they have maybe not praised him? <laughs> well, I mean, he's, Marcus Rashford can do virtually no wrong at the moment. Um, he's taking on not just Premier League opposition, but the government and winning. Um, I mean, I, I just don't know which way to turn with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and Manchester United. You know, he, he's very good. Manchester United set up well to play counter-attacking football, but that's about all they can manage to do at the moment. It was great to see Edison, Edison Cavani score his first goal for the club, um, but Rashford is the spark. He's what gets it going. And I think we'll see Cavani start more because Anthony Martial was, again, he was very inconsistent. He was very off-colour and he hasn't been, he doesn't look desperately motivated, whereas he's got a guy in the wings. Yes, he's come in on a free, it's the end of his career, but he still wants to make an impression. So I think we'll see Cavani start more. Um, and it may just give Manchester United a bit more of a focal point and a bit of threat. But, you know, to my next game, we could well flatter to deceive once again. Okay. Um, thank you, guys. So, just I know the, the two Andys are going to stay there right now. Uh, I hope Andy Mack is nice and warm out in the car park. Um, we, we, we banished him to the car park, the dark corners, the dark recesses of our, you know, territory, so that uh, he's really on form for us this evening. Um, and we have to thank him because, of course, he's been covering, he's been voicing, I, th I think you were voicing, was it Mike Pence, or who were you voicing in the, uh, in the studio this week, Andy? No, I'm just biding my time until I leave. <laughs> well, I'm sure that we're going to trump you with our next guest. Um, our next guest <laughs> is Karen Tejwani. I hope I got that uh, family name correct. Um, he, of course, is a... I can't say a budding because he is a very, very good football journalist. Um, he has just written and it's just being published, I think it's tomorrow, The Wings of Change, a story of how the world... Now, this is the, the promo blur, but he will actually elaborate on this. The world's biggest energy drinks company made its mark in football. Karen, you're very welcome to Capital Sports. Thanks, Alan, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on and... Look forward to the chat, yeah. Listen, did I, I get it's not my family name right, so... Oh, I did? Oh, there yes, you did. go, there you go. So, I, 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 at least my brain is working this evening. Listen, <laughs> Karen, I'm going to... The, the, the boys are going to ask questions as well, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and they're going to throw in questions uh, after that. We'll go by Andrew Flint and Andy Mack, just to make sure that we get it in order. Um, Karen, why the Red Bull Empire? 
the football empire. Why did you choose that as a subject to write about? Well, it's it's a mix of um, what Red Bull do and a bit of personal um, objectives in a way. You know, I've been writing online for about uh, four years now, and I felt that I had the time and the capability to write a book. And I wanted to write about something that I knew and I had been following for several uh, years before it. You know, I can't write about a big club from like 100 years ago because I wasn't alive during that era. But uh, for Red Bull, I've been around for as long as they've been in football, and I felt I knew enough about it to write a book about it. And of course, Red Bull themselves being such a patronizing sort of, um, not patronizing, a polarizing uh, organization in football. You know, they do good stuff on the pitch. Their football is entertaining. Their, their model is good. They have young players coming through. And in addition to that, they are probably hated by almost, well, half the crowd that watch them. You know, in Germany, nobody likes them apart from their own fans. Uh, in Austria, they aren't very welcome. So it was a very fascinating topic to explore. And I felt that I could do a good enough job with it. Okay, uh, I mean, again, from th- I've seen pieces of it. Of course, it's, it's only a tomorrow, and I'm going to get my hands on it and go through it. Um, what difficulties did you have researching it? Because, of course, they're, they're relatively open, but also a little bit uh, closed about what they're doing as well. Because, you know, they have revolutionized, of course, um, let's just say, adrenaline sports. And we've seen them revolutionize many other sports as well, including skiing and so on and so forth. Um, how easy was it to get access to materials? Because I know you had some great um, collabor- I say collaborators or contributors like uh, Ronan Murphy, a good friend of the show as well. How, how easy was it to get your hands on information? Um, it was uh, it's a mix. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was too difficult. Um, you know, they've been, people have been talking about them and writing about them and lots of people know about what they do. Good journalists, good um, figures from Red Bull themselves. Um, it was difficult to get access to Red Bulls, all the players in, in the Red Bull family who have plays for their clubs, but away from that, there are a lot of good journalists who've been covering them. You know, I spoke to journal- journalists all over Europe, uh, some in Germany, some in Austria, some some in New York. Uh, so they knew what they were talking about, and it was easy to research uh, relatively. Um, a few of my personal challenges was that I'd never been to Germany, nor do I speak German, so or anything similar. So it was difficult in that sense, but I felt that I could. Uh, it, it wasn't that much of a challenge that I had to stop writing. It was something I could take on and. Um, I'm quite happy with the outcome of it. Okay, no, that that's great. I mean, uh, again, you know, the, the language barrier is always going to be a challenge, but you, you yeah. have to uh, get through it. Okay, uh, Andrew Flint, you have a, a question for Karen. Yeah, yeah, Karen, I wanted to ask you about, about this because you mentioned about the being such a polarising club. When you set out to research this and go into detail, because it is a fascinating story um, before you get to, well, I guess you could say the, the moral question of how they go about it. Did you have any concerns about covering such a criticised footballing empire? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, one of the main things about this is that once you write about Red Bull, the automatic automatic assumption is that you support what they do. So, so a lot of the times I get this thing where, you know, people say you support RB Leipzig, you support Red Bull Salzburg. I don't support them. I cover them uh, quite often. In fact, I'm quite against what they do. Um, you know, it's very similar to Manchester City or PSG where, you know, it's, it's a different sort of sponsorship uh, model. And I don't endorse it. And I don't endorse their existence in football. But while I say that, I must admit that they are a very fascinating group. Um, so, you know, that sort of thing is expected when you're in uh, journalism and when you're in the public domain where people think you're supporting what they are, but you actually don't. And you have to, to keep reiterating, re, um, saying that over and over again, that you don't back what they do and you're merely doing it for journalistic purposes. So um, I wouldn't say it's been too much of a challenge, but it has been um, something that, that sticks with you in a way throughout your career. 
Okay, I mean, again, you are. I, we we all understand it. We were covering Russian sports, for example, and we get you know kind of oh, you're either with them or against them. When it's like, no, I'm reporting on a sport. You can criticise, yes. you can write about it, but no matter what you do, unless you are, as we saw in the American election, unless you are 100 percent against or 100 percent with, you're always going to have to explain yourself. So, Karan, no, yeah. <laughs> fair, fair, just uh, Andy Mack, you you have a question for Karan. Yeah, hi, Karan. Um, you mentioned that you had a bit of difficulty getting to the players to interview them and speak to them. Did you ever get the impression that when you were speaking to them that some of them perhaps weren't particularly happy about the way the clubs were being run or perhaps the way that they had been brought in from the club? As you, I mean, they, they've brought in the players from Asia and Africa and all sorts. Did you ever get the impression that the players were a little bit unhappy about being a part of this sort of Red Bull brand? Not really. I mean, I spoke to four, I never spoke to a player that's currently playing in one of their clubs. I spoke to players who formerly played for several years, but even then, um, they never really gave out the impression that they were disappointed to be in a, in an organisation that's been so um, it's been spoken about positively and negatively. They all, they mainly spoke about it in terms of their careers and how uh, Red Bull uh, improved their careers and gave them a gave them a career to, be, to look forward to. And you know, their model, as I said before, is very um, it's very impressive. It's very refined. Where if you're good enough, you will get a chance, no matter how young you are. And all of them spoke positively in that regard, that the academy treated them well, it gave them uh, a good career and honed their skills very well. And of course, they played under very good coaches, uh, whether they were in Austria or Germany. And mostly, most of them were very positive, and they had no complaints about what people think about the clubs morally. Um, just before we wrap up, uh, well, a couple more questions. And the boy, boys, if you want to ask a question after this, do we have we about two and a bit more minutes? Um, Karan, I mean, always a concern that we've we've raised here in the show before, and you know, people have raised as well is the input from the sports medicine and sports science from it, and the involvement of uh, Bernd Pansold, the East German doping doc, in. Uh, in Red Bull, did anyone raise a concern over that, that they had this guy who, you know, it'd be kind of like putting a, like Grigory Rochenkov in, in, in charge of a, of Man City's training program? I don't really, I mean, most of the time it was just spoken about, uh, it was mostly positive with regards to uh, how they use uh, sports science and sports data in, in, in their work, you know, they were able to get details about players' physical and mental capabilities, so there wasn't really much of a negative thing surrounding it, um, and that's about it. Really, I mean, yeah, that's, that's all I can say about that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it was they, they used those details to improve their players, and especially being younger players, um, it was good for them to learn how far they could go. Yeah, again, I mean, it's all about you know pushing the limits as as, <laughs> as much as possible, I guess. Um, this Andy Andrew Flynn, have you anything to 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 ask before we run away? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask, actually, Karen, do you think their model of approaching football with a football group with so many clubs spread around the world to basically feed towards two or three main clubs, do you think that's the way forward for modern football? Or do you think it will squeeze out youth development on a on a smaller level? I think it certainly is the way because people see it as, uh, these, these owners see it as something so profitable uh, from a sporting standpoint and from a financial standpoint. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the City Football Group. They have 10 clubs um, spread all over the world and they have a couple in Europe. And most of them um, are probably trying to benefit Manchester City the most because they're the most popular. Um, so I definitely see it being a thing for the future. Um, obviously, we've seen rumours coming up with Liverpool as well and the Red Ball Group, uh, which is linked with John Henry, the owner. Um, and it's a similar thing with Red Bull. You know, they have a network around the world and it's a very refined network. But And, and they have their own MO where they focus on younger players. And um, 
while I say that, it's also been very profitable financially because while I can't admit that Red Bull, the energy drink, has benefited from it, it certainly has had a hand in it. And, um, you know, it's something that's, that's very profitable for people. So they will see it. And, and even states as well, you know, PSG and McMahon City, they've seen how good it is for them. And I think that it will be more of a thing for the future. Um, Andy Mack, before we go away, have you got a quick question? Just a quick one for you. Just, I'm, especially in Germany, you see lots of the, the perhaps not smaller clubs, but clubs that aren't quite as successful protesting about, their, uh, um, about Leipzig's rise to the top being so fast. Do you, do you think that it actually gives some of these clubs a sort of target to improve themselves? I mean, certainly in Austria, we've seen the likes of uh, Lask Linz and, and Rapid Vienna improve very quickly when they're having to chase a team like Red Bull Salzburg. Do you think this is a positive for these leagues in general or not really? I don't really see it as being a major positive. Yes, it could give clubs a target and a bar to set. You know, we've seen clubs in Germany like uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach revamp the whole system and employ uh, fast-thinking forward coaches. And, um, you know, you could look at it that way, but I don't necessarily see it like that. I think that when they do protest, they're doing it purely out of footballing morals. And, um, you know, you could say that maybe it gives them a target, but I don't, I don't probably see that way. I think, I think that when they protest, they're protesting against the traditions they're breaking and the history they're breaking. You know, the 50 plus one rule in Germany is probably the most sacred rule they have. And when you break that, you're going to get, um, you're going to get the anger from the fans and clubs and it's purely at that. So uh, Leipzig, they are a controversial group and they face the heat because of how fast they've risen, how unorga- unorganically they've risen. So, yeah. Okay. Karen, listen, thank you so much for that. Um, of course, your book is available from tomorrow on Amazon.com, on Waterstones and so on. So the very best of luck and, and we're looking forward to having you back on again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, thank you. Okay, folks, we're going to get to the break right now with Sarah Barre with Love Song. Back after the break with Isil Cody and the two Andys. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Soon to see if I'm happy in your 
Двигатель FM. Пять лет. В честь праздника мы запускаем акцию Day 5. Day 5. Give me five. Хочешь получить беспроводные наушники, планшет, умные часы или даже крутой смартфон? Нет, уже 12. Все просто. Подпишись на инстаграм Capital FM. Под постом о розыгрыше отметь пятерых друзей. Лови кодовые слова в эфире. И каждую пятницу получи шанс выиграть один из главных призов. Не получилось? Не расстраивайся. Есть еще много поощрительных призов. Дай пять. Give me five. Уже завтра. Подробности на capitalfm.moscow. Предложение не является публичной чертой. Welcome back, folks. It is part three of Capital Sports here on Muscles Capital FM. And yet again, I'm still Alan Moore. I can't escape my destiny. Right. Uh, well, I, I guess I can change my name, but sure. Well, I'm happy with it for the moment. For the moment. OK, we're going to go to our legal eagle, Isil Cody, in just one moment. And then we'll be joined by the two Andes to round off this first hour of another super Capital Sports show. Before we do, um, a couple of quick messages in. One uh, from Andre, um, plus 795 That's our number, not his of course. Uh, Andre says that why did I have to bring uh, that Bern Pansold into it? It's just a nice story to have Red Bull winning something. Uh, yeah, and actually they're not actually winning everything because, well, okay, in Austria that's different, but in Germany they're, they're still struggling to get past the big, more established boys no matter what. Um, and the other one was, uh, oh, I think it is your number finishes or ends in one... Oh, that's my number. Oh, there you go. It finishes up in 5021. Yeah, 5021. Uh, and he said that it is the Red Sox organization that Liverpool are involved with. Thank you very much, whoever you are. Thank you for that. That is a good point to out. So we're going to go straight away. Um, before, uh, well, before we go any further, we're going to go straight away to Isolde Cody and the top of the third. Isolde, welcome to the show. You have uh, three very good stories for us this week. Okay, so I'm going to start with the most positive of them, if that's all right with you. Oh, fire away. Um, I need positivity today. So do I. Um, that's just because you're a year older. Don't worry about that. Oh, for Christ's so, sake. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> so, women's sport, we discussed last week how you don't get... When you go looking for women's sports stories, you're generally trawling through the end of a website or the end of a newspaper, and there, there's not as many big headline events. So... As it happens, next weekend in the UK, Matchroom Boxing are putting on a very unique event because occasionally we'll see the likes of Katie Taylor maybe as the co-main event as we have on a few occasions for women's boxing. But next week we have what I think is a very clever rarity. We have three female title bouts as the three headline events. Now, why this matters is because there isn't other boxing on that night and boxing fans will tune in. So they are giving the best possible opportunity for women's fight sports, which have done very well during the lockdown period as they've started to be reintroduced. They've had some really good fights. But to have three title fights on the bill is a huge event. So if anyone has any interest in watching them, there's Katie Taylor, who is a household name globally, um, headlining. Terry Harper, who is a UK uh, world title holder and there's two belts on the line um, for super flyweight and the third one is a young lady called Rachel Ball who is the home fighter for argument's sake fighting in a vacant bantamweight title bout but what's interesting about that is she's also fought previously during 
fight camp, which was the the group outside in um group of fights outside in Eddie Hearn's childhood back garden. But she's basically got a name out of that event. Otherwise, she would never be at at this level. So it's just it's a rare occasion. It's putting women's sports on a Saturday night platform, and I think that has to be something we have to applaud. Um, moving on from that, we have some interesting developments um, in terms of women's sports in the UK. This is more on the bad side, where, as you, I'm sure, as you're aware, and I'm sure you're, the listeners are aware, the UK has returned to a stage of lockdown, um, a more full lockdown again as of last Thursday. So, as within Ireland, there have been exceptions made and across Europe for elite sports. But the UK has decided while under, so the academies and underage, so under 16 to under 19 sports have been getting exemptions. So basically they can continue if they're at elite levels. So the football academies, for example, they can continue to train because they're essentially have the professionalism, the finances to provide testing for their players. Basically, they've had to come out and say, yeah, we're doing that with the boys, but with the girls, and this is a quote from the FA, they have neither the financial resources or personnel to be classed as elite. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, basically, we'll all remember lockdown one. The first thing to go was the WSL, where they said, we don't have the money to keep that competition going. But here, to deny elite athletes at underage level, we don't know if in five years' time we're going to be more predominantly watching these young women who, as we all learned last year with England in the Women's World Cup, they got further than the men are used to getting and they drew huge interest. But we're, it's basically, it's very worrying to see a government and a sports organisation say we're not going to support the underage level. It's different maybe at senior level where they're bringing in their own finances. But at underage level, to not support them continuing is just, it's a disgraceful thing, especially for these young athletes who are at a, they're at a point in their academy development where it's discussing their careers. That's what they're putting at risk by putting their playing at an end. Um, so that's a frighteningly worrying story. And from that, I'm going to move very quickly to Ebony Rainford Brent, who is a global name in cricket fan households because she is an English cricket legend. And one of the things she is hugely involved in is an Afro-Caribbean engagement programme which aims to bring more youth players across disadvantaged areas and communities that wouldn't generally become involved in elite cricket into the sport in the UK through basically building up grassroots programmes and talent pathways to get them to senior and elite level. And she's come out and basically said how they're glad that they're finally progressing matters, but essentially that this this process has stalled for a number of years. Now, this is women and men. And her point is that you're disenfranchising one group of young people, irrespective of gender, by not getting them involved at an earlier stage. So I think she's been very vocal this week. And for anyone who's followed her career, she's been very vocal on a number of things over the last, well, her entire career, particularly females in sport and Black Lives Matter. So to see her come out and say, we've had all this money, but money is no good unless you actually go and put the structures in place is a big um, an important move, hopefully, to 
bring more into the cricket because it is a growing sport, obviously, in the UK based on the English victory in the World Cup okay. with an Irish captaining. And that's, <laughs> that's all I've got for you today, other than to say that if Andrew, who I'm sure is about to join, would like to change his allegiance to supporting the women's team, Man U women went top of the WSL today with a win over Arsenal. That's more than the men can say their chances are for the rest of the season. I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. I will take that. Yeah, first ever time top of the Women's Super League. And of course, again, mentioned last week, now I am watching the stories every single week to see how it is being reported. Um, and BBC, of course, which is, you know, the kind of the doyen of, uh, you know, news and, and especially with sports, um, of the top, of the top, what is it, 18 stories? Uh, the only one they have is that Man United uh, edging Arsenal uh, in the Women's Super League. The, the entire page has two stories. So 40-odd stories, there's two female sports stories. It has to be better than that. It has to be better than that. Okay. Um, listen, we're going to move on very, very quickly uh, because we, we don't have a lot of time left in this segment. Um, I'm going to move straight away to Andrew. Andrew, of course, shorn of their captain for his handiwork. Um, Russia are facing Turkey next week, 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, what do you reckon? It's going to be a tough one for them with a uh, big man Jubal front. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a big loss on, on every single front. Um, yeah, I, I think... I, I'm worried for Russia, I'll be perfectly honest. I think they're likely to lose this one because they... they I think they got complacent after winning the first two games in the Nations League group. Um, Turkey, a very, very talented side and yet to hit their potential. And I think now the pressure is seriously, seriously on them. Um, I, I actually think Turkey are going to win this one. OK, all right, that's fair enough. So uh, a home win for Turkey. Andy Mack, are you still there with us? No, Andy Mack is not there. OK, Andy Mack, unfortunately, he is basically covering news right now. Um, he basically says that Belgium will beat England. Isol, do you agree? Um, why not? I, I'd like to see it, so I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, Andrew <laughs> Flint. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Flint, do you reckon you'd agree with that? Uh, yeah, both of them are, uh, are a more consistent side. Um, but, you know, um, who knows? We have beaten Belgium not that long ago, so um, perhaps it'll be two wins and two. But no, I don't think so. I think Belgium will get the result here. Okay, that is kicking off, of course, at uh, quarter to 11 next Sunday evening here. Or, sorry, <laughs> uh, Moscow time. Um, another one that uh, Andy has picked for us because he, he thinks it's, it's, it's worth something is Holland and Bosnia uh, to draw. So, Isil, what do you reckon? That's an interesting one. I My gut would nearly lean towards Holland, but that's, I suppose that's an unfair... An unfair assumption that they would have a better uh, setup. Be, to be honest, I'll be watching now as a result because it's now piqued my curiosity, which is all you need to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, ending. Yeah, yeah. So Andy says that um, that it will be a draw. Uh, he also said that Slovenia will beat Kosovo. Uh, Andrew Flint, what do you reckon? Uh, that's an interesting one. Kosovo have done very well out of the UEFA Nations League since it started, and they have some seriously dangerous players. Um, Bernard Berisha from the Russian Premier League um, is a is a brilliant, brilliant direct winger. Um, so I think, I, personally, I think uh, Kosovo were, are the strongest side. They have a lot of pedigree in that side, um, although they're obviously only a newly created international side. But I think uh, I'd, I'd back Kosovo in that one. 
OK, um, and Andrew, staying with you just for a moment because we've got a minute left before we are to uh, break. Um, he says that Scotland are going to win away in Slovakia. That's kicking off at five o'clock uh, <laughs> next Sunday. What do you reckon, Andrew Flint? you agree? <laughs> I, I think he's been spending too much time in the dungeon for that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, in all seriousness, I think um, Scotland can, can hope to close it out as much as they can and perhaps hit them on the break. But I, I'd say a draw in that one. Okay, an interesting uh, time in Slovakia was mandatory COVID testing. You get tested. If you are clear, then you're okay. You can walk around. If you're sick, you have to go home and stay at home for two weeks. And of course, when you get clear, a clear one, you get a certificate. So there you go. Um, and finally, before we go away, Isol, final word with you. Wales in Ireland, eight o'clock next Sunday. Will we, will you be joining us, happy or sad? I'll be joining you from. Well, it'll be. I'll be behind my sofa watching it. So <laughs> I'm. Ex- I'm look. I'm a Bale fan. I'll just cheer for him. It'll seem like a victory. Okay, that is fine. Okay, guys, you're going to stay with us. You're going to be back, of course, at the, uh, for, the well, at the top of the fourth. Uh, folks, we're to the break right now with No Doubt and Just a Girl back after the break with a super pooper top of the fourth. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. <laughs> 